Hello, welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education podcast. My name is Mark Taylor and today I'm very excited because I'm going to be talking to Jeremy Rowe and we're going to be talking about handwriting and some workshops that we're setting up um, for the coming few months over here in England. And Jeremy's been based in Spain for the last few years since he retired. And when he retired, he retired from a school in London where I was actually teaching drums at the Lyceum, which was a fantastic arts-based school in as much as the arts were a big focus of, of all the learning that was going on in that school. So Jeremy, thank Thanks so much for joining me, and um, it's, I'm really excited to have a, have a conversation. Well, good morning, Mark. Yes, it's, it's extraordinary for me, after five years of retirement, to be coming back to talk about something that I was very passionate about right through my career. I, uh, although I ended my career working in the private sector, the majority of my years were in the state sector. Um, many of those years in Oxfordshire working with many, many colleagues who did some fantastic work on the development of many aspects of primary education. And then latterly in London where I, I took up my first headship, which was in a very big state school um, in Hackney. And then eventually I went to the private sector with the Lyceum. And right through all of that, literally from my year as a probationary teacher, and I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was, but it was a a long time ago, right through my career, handwriting has been an essential part of what goes on in primary classrooms. And talk a little bit through your history with NAEP as well. I know it's it's been a long-standing relationship from from many years ago and also talk a little bit about how the festival of voices came about because it's something that we've recorded about from an oxfordshire standpoint um earlier this year but also i know you were very heavily involved in, in it being a national event too which is something that we're very keen to try and emulate and bring back into reality well yes it's uh I'm very proud of the fact that I was actually a founder member of NAEP. Um, We got together in a hotel in Bloomsbury, and there were all sorts of well-known and significant people in the world of education. I was just an ordinary classroom teacher at the time, and we created this organization called NAEP. And I've been a member ever since, from day one. And we did a lot of work in Banbury, where I was where I was on the staff at Queensway School, developing singing. Um, David Martin, the head there, was a terrific musician, so it was easy when you work with a head who's a musician. And we did a lot of really good work with children singing. This developed into a festival which was which was county wide for Oxfordshire. And I remember very vividly sitting in a pub in Oxford one day with John Coe, and John said to me, you know, we've got this festival going really well in the county. Why don't we make it national? And I just said, yes. And he said, you didn't even hesitate. I said, no, we can do something nationally. And that's how the National Festival of Voices came into being. And we launched it, believe it or not, in the Albert Hall with 1,700 children and they they brought their parents and and so we had a a terrific occasion there and i remember with val scarf my pianist we went up on the roof of the albert hall after the rehearsal and as far as we could see in kensington gardens there was the biggest picnic there ever was (laughs) as 1700 children sat down with their mummies and daddies and granddads and all the other people they brought with them and had this huge picnic before we went back in and had a fantastic concert in the albert hall 
In fact, we couldn't stay at the Arbor Hall. It was, it was frankly too expensive for Nate to try and sustain something like that. And we, we went up to Wembley and we, 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 we expanded and grew. And I conducted Festival Voices in so many different places, um, even in Germany, even in Northern Ireland, in all sorts of places. And uh, so there's the background. It's a very exciting one. I'm slightly um, alarmed to consider how long ago it was now, but, but thankfully we did give the opportunity to huge numbers of children to gain from really very exciting participation in music. And you, Mark, as a musician, know the importance of music. We don't need to emphasize that now, but that's all part of my background. Um, I, that, you're absolutely right. I mean, music's a huge thing for me, and, and, I, and I see the benefits with everyone that I work with on a on a weekly basis. And I think one of the the great legacies of it is that um, when we did some recordings when we were in Oxfordshire um, earlier this year, is we were able to speak to children who were just as excited, and we were able to see parents who were just as enthralled with what they were hearing, and the quality was fantastic. But there was one lady that we spoke to who had been there as a pupil, who then came back as a student, who's now back as a parent and also back as a teacher bringing her choir as well and so we were able to literally join all of that circle together and I think she was just as excited um, when we met her a few months ago as she was back as a primary school pupil and I, I think that's the real essence of what the Festival of Voices mm, is all mm. about and still comes through to this day. Yes and it's, and it's a really good example of how important what you do in primary schools is for the rest of your life and music is one of the most important aspects because the music you do in school is something which stays with you all your life. And if you ask adults what do they remember about their school, they will often say the music before anything else. But yeah, I can actually bring our conversation around to handwriting because it's in the same category, that what you do in handwriting in your primary school has an influence on the rest of your life. And... You know, as our conversation progresses this morning, you'll, I hope I can show that this, this handwriting is that significant, which and many, many schools and many, many teachers don't actually pick up on that. They don't realize that this is such an important part of primary life. I guess the, the, there are two or three things that strike me just to begin with. One is the fact that we have to fit this in in terms of time, and we know that time is a very um, squeezed factor in the curriculum these days. So talk a little bit about handwriting and the curriculum and, and the amount of emphasis which needs to be put on it, as opposed to, like you say, the fact that it's such an important part of, of, of learning that takes you through to that sort of adult ages. Well, that's not easy for me to answer because I can only answer it in terms of the kind of teacher that I was and the kind of schools that I worked in because all through my career I always worked in schools where we were doing topic-based thematic integrated learning and handwriting is just part of it so if you are working with let's say year three four five you're working in what we in olden days we called the junior years and you're doing a topic on, oh, I say something at random, you're, you're doing a topic on the Victorians, well, then you're going to find little snips of Victorian poetry, or you're going to find things about Victorian engineering, and you're going to find quotations that you're going to be using for your handwriting practice that feed into the topic you're doing anyway. 
And then, because I come from that, Oxfordshire, and it's not the only county, there are many other places, but the Oxfordshire tradition of display is that you're going to be displaying your topic work, the results of your creative writing, all the results of your investigations and your science and all the other things you've done in your topic, you're going to be displaying them using your handwriting skill. And so you're practicing your handwriting so you can put this wonderful piece of poetry or a haiku, or even if it's just a caption to a painting you've done, you can put it on for, for part of the display. So for me, handwriting is integral to the rest of what goes on in the classroom. Now, having said that, it's not that difficult to find time. And, and I think there is an awful lot of nonsense spoken about the, 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 the difficulties of time, because if you plan carefully, you can. Now, in many of my classrooms, I would plan the handwriting activity for first thing in the morning. So there would be um, work cards for children to copy, or there would be a short piece of poetry, which I had written by in longhand on the whiteboard, um, and the children knew when they came in in the morning, <coughs> and I always liked the idea of children just coming in, not hanging around in the playground, coming into the classroom, sorting themselves out, sitting down, and doing their handwriting practice. And by nine o'clock or whatever time the day officially started, many of them had done it and had brought it to me and I'd looked at it and we talked about how successful it was or not. And sometimes I'd ask them to go and have a, a practice of a particular word or a particular link or even just one particular letter shape according to where their skill lie. And we got it done first thing in the morning. It was a very calm, quiet, pleasant start to the day. But that's not necessarily an answer which is going to be very useful to every teacher, but that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I, th and I think you can actually, it's, it's hearing these kind of ideas and having these conversations that just opens that window slightly for people to go, I hadn't thought about that being the case you know because we talk about children and their ability to concentrate and their ability to settle down into the day or, or after a break or that kind of thing and actually to realize that using some of these skills as a way of doing that is something that maybe people haven't necessarily come across before so mm -hmm. I think, I've, mm -hmm. I think there's, there's a lot of value there. I mean I was a great believer that children should come into their classroom and settle down quietly. We, we had sort of basic rules that you could come in when you arrived. So you might come in at half past eight and you might have half an hour before the day started formally. And what the first rule was that it had to be quiet. If you came in and you wanted to be noisy, then you could back outside and be noisy at the doors. Um, so, so it was a way of the whole school coming together quietly. Everybody settled into their... And, you, you know, the beginning of the day was not a sort of... Uh, a big policing, how can we get everybody to sit down and shut up? Because it's not, that, that isn't how we work. We wanted everybody to come in and get into the mood for learning, to get into the mood for what was going to go on in the classroom, and handwriting was a way of doing that. Yeah, no, I can see that that you know, that, that progression is uh, um, it makes an awful lot of sense to me, and I'm sure for, for many people many people listening. So... Let's also talk a little bit about, before we get into the technicalities of exactly what the workshops are going to be focused on, um, 
you do hear on a on a fairly regular basis the idea that so much of what we produce from a written point of view now is obviously done through a keyboard rather than handwritten. Um, mm, and, and, mm. and so just talk us a little bit through your thoughts on that. Well, this, this really is the huge issue. Um, I mean, f- first of all, you can kind of look at handwriting as simply an aesthetic thing, that it is a very nice skill. Um, and, you, you know, you, you can probably argue that it's not terribly useful for somebody who is going to go and work in an office to be able to do um, painting or watercolours or sing a song. But it misses the point that this is an aesthetic skill and it is very, very pleasing to be able to write nicely. Um, and, of course, one or two people listening to this who know me well will, will all be laughing because, of course, I'm well known for the fact that I have extremely nice handwriting. Um, and, uh, you, you, know, you know, I do regard it as something which is beautiful and pleasant and nice to look at. But actually, simply saying doing handwriting is nice because it's nice is not good enough. Um, And we really need to think, actually, what are we doing in school which has got long-term effects in in terms of children's learning and in terms of how they will be when they start to grow up? And I think what has been very interesting is that we've now had laptops and we've had computers and we've had keyboards long enough to be able to compare what happens with children who are almost totally schooled on keyboarding where compared with children who are given good input in terms of their handwriting and it's only recently that that we we can say keyboards have been around long enough to make a a good valid comparison between children given one diet and children given the other diet and what is coming out is very very interesting there's there's an enormous amount of research being done in 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 the fields of learning in 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 the fields of neuroscientists and psychologists looking at the effect of learning to handwrite, use your own hand and a pen and a pencil and put stuff down on paper compared with what, what I've discovered recently in the literature is called keyboarding. And the science is now beginning to say that children who learn to write by hand learn to read quicker, retain information better, and generate ideas easier. Now, that's quite startling to suddenly say, if you are learning to do handwriting, you're learning to write with your hand, you are going to learn to read quicker. That's a really extraordinarily important thing to discover. And, and you, you, you may think, as an, any adult will think, if I'm learning a part, say I'm going to make a speech, say I'm going to recite a poem, say I'm going to be in a play, and you're trying to learn it, what do you do? You write it down by hand. And the, the physical writing by hand prompts memory. Now, we've actually known that for quite a long time. But what we're discovering more recently in, in studying children is to, is to find this, this link to learning to read quicker. And in fact, I've used a phrase for many, many years because it's an old one and it comes from E.M. Forster, who said, how can I tell what I think if I cannot see what I say? 
Now you could say that you could say that about keyboard. You could say you could uh, you could say what I see on the screen is 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 what I'm saying, and so I know what I'm thinking by looking at a screen. But it's clear in the research that is not as good, and people have. You know, I, I don't, I'm not into all the science of this at all, but, but you know the way in which kids can get linked up to a brain scan and looking at what is going on in the brain when even the youngest children, preschool children, are beginning to use the activities that lead them towards handwriting show that they're, uh, they're learning better with more proficiency they're learning they're learning so much more than if they were on a keyboard now it's a huge issue but there you go that's what people are talking about at the moment and i think the other thing uh, sort of picking up on what you said there in some ways of, of that personal touch isn't it like you say when you're writing it yourself you internalize it in a different way there's a more natural flow i think between your ideas that you've got the right phrase you internalize it in a particular way which is better than on a keyboard it, it's it, it's 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 really quite significant this i think and the other personal side of it, I think, is is one of the things that I've noticed, especially since I've been involved in, in the podcasting world, in the online sort of business world, um, creating education on fire, is the fact that there are some people, and I, I have it more and more in, in recent times, who actually really appreciate sending, let alone the person that's receiving, a handwritten note. And there's some, <laughs> that there is something about that, that personalised kind of... All, it's almost like a handshake through the post, as it were, in a way that's not the same as a text message yeah, or an email, yeah. or in some ways even a video, because that's a lot. There are a lot of us that send sort of personal videos to say hi and thank you for various things. But there is something about a handwritten note which I think connects people in a way that no other form of medium does. Well, it's very funny when I know I get accused of being rather old-fashioned and not moving with the times because you know I really am not at all techy at all. But 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 you know I still like to send Christmas cards and I, I you know you get Christmas cards electronically and I think actually apart from anything else it's a bit lazy just to buy a a little twiddly uh, a little twiddly cartoon and send it to somebody. <laughs> How lazy is that? But that's by the by. I just actually read this book by Buzz Aldrin. It's called No Dream is Too High. Buzz Aldrin, the man who landed on the moon, although 50 years ago. And I've, I've actually got this quotation from his book. He says, in this day of text messages, email, and social media communications, if you really want to make an impression on someone, write a handwritten note of thanks or encouragement. And he summed it up in that sentence. I think he really did, yeah. Yeah. What what I think is interesting, of course, is that it's no good sending a, a, a birthday card or a, a holiday postcard or any other kind of note if you can't actually read the handwriting. And and certainly we've all encountered people. I mean, the old jokes about doctors, uh, it wasn't just doctors. There were, you know, lots of people had terrible handwriting and, and illegible handwriting. And apart from anything else, it's no good saying this is a really good thing to do if you actually can't do it. And oddly enough, it, it, is, a, it is a thing which links into Christopher Jarman's modern hand. But the thinking is that the clear kind of simplistic modern hand that, that Christopher Jarman's books develop does lead to legible good handwriting when you become an adult and leaves open the possibility 
to have good personalised handwriting, you know, all this stuff that you get of people who analyse handwriting. I went to a lecture on that once, I thought that some of it was baloney, but there is, there is some truth in the fact that you can analyse somebody's personality to a certain extent from their handwriting, but you can analyse somebody's um, personality from their handwriting, but you've got to have a basis. You've got to, you know, you, you, your primary school children will all be writing in much the same way. You won't be able to talk about their personality. You won't be able to do much about the differences between them in the primary school. But if you give them that basic, simple, straightforward, modern hand that Jarman's scheme gives them, then when they go on to become teenagers and adults, their own personal style develops, built upon the strength of the, of the Jarman um, system. Now, I was taught something called Marion Richardson because I was at primary school in the, in the early 1950s. And Marion Richardson was full of loops and twiddles. I was actually quite good at it, but, and I can still do it, believe it or not, although it's not my normal handwriting now. But all those loops and twiddles that, that made good Marion Richardson handwriting look so nice, it was a kind of a copperplate style, those are the loops and twiddles that lead to all sorts of chaotic stuff when you're an adult and your handwriting becoming increasingly illegible. So, so when italic handwriting came in that was then followed by Jarman's modern hand, um, it was it was to clarify it, to sort it out, to make it more simple so that the writing was logical, it's economical, and it's a good basis for later developing a personal style. What I think is really important is, it's like you say, there's the aesthetic side of these things as well, but one of the most important things is the fact that we need to be able to communicate. <laughs> so like you say, the legibility is a really important factor, isn't it? And mm, ha- having mm. those basic skills so that, like you say, as your personality can sort of develop through it and your style starts to be created, it's based on something which is going to continue to be legible, even if it gets slightly more flamboyant, for example. Yes. I think there is an aspect of handwriting which is much... Is, is, is mostly ignored, and that is that your handwriting varies according to what you are writing with. And I know it's, I mean, I hope I don't sound like grumpy of Tunbridge Wells, but, but uh, you know, if you write with a biro, your chances of keeping decent handwriting are almost nil. And I'm terribly anti-biros. Um, the point is this, that the speed at which you write influences the way in which your handwriting looks. And I'm still so old-fashioned that I use a fountain pen and I still fill it with black ink every day. And writing with a fountain pen means that you are, by, you are forced to take it at a reasonable speed. It also significantly affects the kind of paper you're writing on, but that's by the by. Switch to a biro, even a person with good handwriting, because the ball in, in, in the biro whizzes away uh, too fast. And, and we have this sort of feeling that very often if you're note-taking in a lecture for a student or you're, you're drafting something, you want to write it quickly and then you finish up you can't read it. So ink is a good thing. 
Now, obviously, there are huge issues. We're not going to march around primary schools handing out fountain pens. I mean, it has been done, uh, but with very, very varying success. But if we have got a fibre-tip pen, which is using ink, and is not got a little ball like a biro, we are likely to get better handwriting. And I think Christopher Jarman very much, his basic modern hand, it, it, it is at its most successful using a fibre-tip pen, which is effectively writing with ink, than anything else. So let's let's take us into exactly the fact that we're going to talk today about the fact that we're creating these workshops and hopefully schools can get an idea of exactly what's going to be involved in that and and and, and how you produce those things so take us into a little bit more sort of detail into what to expect within a workshop on this handwriting using the scheme well i i think what i would want to do is to run a seminar stroke workshop which which goes over some of this early ground at the very beginning as a kind of introduction but then gets literally and quickly into the physical activity and i want to run all the way from preschool up to what might go on with year five and six and the the, the early early stuff is just fun well, most of most of learning should be fun that's a silly thing to say but but it's fun because children can describe letter shapes in the air wave their arms about make it part of a physical activity um, make it part of your PE lesson if you if you want to pigeonhole it but 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 we will start from those early early learning experiences where children wave their arms around and then with great big sheets of paper and big fat um, um, felt pens start doing patterns and circles and going from the the natural scribble that children love to do to start to mould it just gently, very gently, very carefully into the right kind of shape. Um, and it's interesting that by the time they are in preschool, you're going to know whether they're left-handed or right-handed. Um, and um, we, will, we will pay some attention towards the end of the workshop on, on the modifications which are needed for left-handers. But, of course, the majority of us are right-handed, so the bulk of the, of the main workshop will be to do with right-handed. And that kind of anti-clockwise movement which is the essential shape for for a, a huge amount of the letter shapes that we're going to do and we will work our way through um large sheets of paper with felt pens through to smaller sheets of paper the introduction of fiber tip pens and the use of patterns and christopher jarman is very strong on this and i'm i'm going to lean very heavily indeed on his his work i mean i respect it enormously so why not i'm not reinventing the wheel he's excellent on this and we look at the kind of pattern work that goes on in his workbooks and the backup you can give to that and how the pattern work begins to move into letter shapes and how we're going to do at first quite a lot of printing but printing often with a little flick in it so you're getting ready for joining then we'll go on to how you introduce joining and you make words and then we'll go on to to copywriting um, and paying attention to how how 
you ensure you're still writing the the letters in the correct way, but join them as you go. So it's 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 not easy within a, an hour or an hour and a half to to take an overview of a skill in primary school all the way from preschool to year six. But that's what we're going to try and do. <laughs> well. As, as someone who's you know not a primary teacher or, or had to do this within a classroom, I, I've got a much clearer idea now in terms of of what we what we're trying to achieve and and the sorts of things that we're trying to put together. And anybody that's interested in wanting to be part of this, like we say, these first workshops are going to be in the Oxfordshire area. So. If you get in mm. contact with the, with the national office, if you go email nationaloffice at nape.org.uk and just register your interest, um, then that way we can always let you know more details. And um, I'm sure we'll be able to get a form and, and a registration thing going up as, as we get nearer the time uh, of these things actually becoming um, a reality. Um, but I think also we were talking about maybe being able to record these in some kind of video content as well so that there would be people, if they're further afield, we may well be able to take this from Oxfordshire elsewhere around, but also maybe having an online content as well. Mm, well, well, uh, certainly my, my first thought on that is that what we simply do is to set up a video uh, when we do the first workshop in Oxfordshire and record it and see what we think of it. Um, and I've done that kind of thing before in, in lots of workshops to do with developing expressive writing and creative writing in children. And when I was working in the States, it was very normal <clears throat> excuse me, to have a video in the corner of the room to rec record the whole of the session, whether it was with me working with a group of children or working with a group of adults. So we can certainly make that the starting point of video. Whether we want to go on to looking at more detailed videos, we need to discuss, because if there is a need to take the, 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 the Jarman stuff and actually demonstrate it in a video, it would not be difficult to do. The irony is that it may well be have to be, be um, me or one or two other adults demonstrating using the Jarman worksheets rather than children themselves. Um, because, you know, unless we find a school which has been using the Jarman system for some years and have got children who have worked their way through it um, properly, as it were, um, and, and is willing to let their children be videoed. I mean, literally, you just want to look over the shoulder of a child. You don't, uh, you don't have to identify them even and see how they're doing. But if we can't find a school that's got a tradition of using this sort of approach, it may well have to be adults doing the demonstrating. But there are lots of possibilities for, for videos. So, yes, I'm very open to seeing what, what happens. And just talk a little bit about the, the different types of schemes that you were saying in terms of finding a school that might be doing the Jarman already. For those schools that aren't already doing that, um, can you talk a little bit about how this workshop could be beneficial for them or is it literally for people who are um, sort of wanting to be schooled in this particular way of doing it? No, um, I, I, don't, I don't want to have given the impression that I'm, got, I'm, I'm kind of exclusively a, a Christopher Jarman acolyte um, and, and focused only on his work, because that isn't true. Um, what, is, what is really important is that, particularly in early years, 
that we do the basic stuff to do with letter shape, whether we're using German or using anybody else. And there are other schemes around, and they all boil down to much the same thing. And if I would take, you would take an example, if you're going to write a letter A, and of course we're talking about lowercase, we're not talking about capital letters, a, a lowercase A is made by making a circle in an anti-clockwise direction, which then has the stick joined onto it, and there you've got an A. And if you've got that basic concept of which way round the circle you go to make the letter A, and you're going to get that whoever... You, who, who, whosoever the scheme is that you're following. And, and so, so it doesn't matter, really, if you're doing Christopher Jarman or you're doing somebody else. You're going to get that basic. And that's the work which will be going on in early years. It's going to be going on right through um, years one and two at the very least. And, and that's the basis of what it's going to be. It's very interesting if you watch teenagers writing the kids who do a letter o by going round clockwise but the letter o should be done anti-clockwise not clockwise if you do it clockwise it turns into a funny loop it turns into something funny and then you can't read it in the long run i i, I do find this an incredibly important thing um when you get all the way through to sort of taking examinations which aren't done on computers you know they are handwritten you know in terms yeah. of the speed that you can write in terms of legibility in terms of like you say that personal way of being able to get your thoughts across um has a big impact and, and i think that like you say handwriting is in the national curriculum but actually it's it's really an, an integral part of actually the communication from an exam point of view as well as that personal point mm. of view and, and when you are doing, let us say, that SATs, because I know more about that than I do about the higher level qualifications, but when you are doing SATs, in fact, the people marking the English papers are not grading the handwriting. But if they can't read it, they don't know whether or not you can spell. They don't know whether or not it's right or wrong. And so, in fact, poor handwriting results in lower grades because the things that are being tested are, are, are beyond the comprehension of a marker who sees a squiggle and doesn't know if that's the correct spelling of the word or not. Well, I think that takes us into the, or could take us into a whole area of how education is taught and, and all of those things as well, but we'll, we'll stop it there before, <laughs> yes, before yes. we take up the rest of the day. But um, I, I hope we've managed to get across the, you know, the importance of it, you know, some of the history of it, what we're able to be able to support you with and deliver through these workshops, like I say, whether yeah. you're able to become in person or, or whether they may eventually be um, online or videoed and all of those things, all of these things we'll, we'll keep you abreast of and let you know as they, as they as they come up in the in the next few months and um so uh, thank you so much for for chatting it's been really interesting for me to to hear all these things i'm excited about what we're going to be able to produce for people and as i said if you've got any questions or you want to register your interest just email the national office which is national office at nape.org.uk and we'll have lots of these things starting to come up onto the website and of course this podcast will come out and and we'll hopefully have another chance to chat before before the workshops take place just to see how everything's beginning to come together and, and the sorts of people that are involved Okay, well, thanks very much, Mark, for setting this up, because, um, as you can tell, I'm quite passionate about it, and I'm not sure if that passion is, is, 
is is reflected in very many schools these days. But it would be very exciting if this is the very beginning of of of, of a bit of a movement in a good direction to do something about handwriting in schools. So thank you very much. No, well, well thank you very much, Jeremy, for your time. And and, and I um I think our conversation today is is hopefully been able to sort of shed some light on on all those wider factors, which is such a positive thing, rather than just like you said what sometimes can be perceived is the drudgery of having to do handwriting i think yeah, that yeah. these these bigger picture um conversations which of course is what nape is all about you know in terms of whole exactly. child education exactly. are really important so yeah thank you very much and i look forward to chatting again very soon a pleasure thank you bye-bye